So last week, Ian spoke about our vision for the church and this new series. And you'll remember the ladder up there if you were here last week. And if you weren't, you can always look online and listen to the sermon again. And our vision is as a church to be a welcoming, vibrant, and we'll never forget that, will we? And serving the community, a visible witness of God's love in action. And to help us realise this vision, our focus is on discipleship, outreach, service, and grace and gentleness. And in a way, that vibrancy, us working together, that grace and gentleness, that, that fits really well. So this morning, we're concentrating on discipleship. There's a few sermons on discipleship. And I will be looking at what is a Christian. Well, it might seem a bit basic, might it? What is a Christian uh, when so many of us have been coming to church? But before we can become a disciple, we have to take that step. Now, I'm a Manchester United fan. (laughs) I knew I was going to get that reaction. Um, And I have been since the 1960s. So, yeah. Uh, Well, on the plus side, my family comes from Wigan in Lancashire, uh, which is 33 minutes from Old Trafford, the Manchester United football ground. Pendlebury, the town where my name comes, is 15 minutes from Old Trafford. So, yeah, not too bad so far. Um, As a teenager, I had a poster of Georgie Best on my wall. Uh, Those who are too young won't remember George Best, but the greatest footballer ever. Uh, And, of course, he played for the greatest team. Um, And I collected everything Manchester United I could find. It wasn't like today where you have the internet and you've got all the pictures. In those days, you had to really, you had to buy Shoot magazine and things like that. Um, I continued to support them when they were relegated. Now, a lot of you know, f- football fans, as soon as their club goes down, they disappear, and I supported them. And supporting Manchester United is in the family, and my cousin's boy was in the Manchester United Academy until he was 16. Mm. He now plays in America. So far, so good. And in a sense, I can claim a local connection. But I've only been to Old Trafford once. I know that's more than some people. <laughs> I've only seen them play live two or three times, and I haven't travelled the length and breadth of the country to watch them, nor have I subscribed to a TV channel to watch them each week. So in reality, I am not really much of a fan, not really. Um, I suppose I'm loyal, and no other club will do. That red shirt is the only shirt. Liverpool, no. Uh, Manchester City, terrible. Uh, There's only one Manchester United, and I, I do love to see them do well. In a way, being a football fan and being a disciple of Jesus have some similarities. Both require a commitment. That's why I'm not much of a disciple of Manchester United. <laughs> um, but what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, let's start with some misconceptions. The first is, you have to be good. You have to be good to be a Christian. I hear people say, well, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I'm not good enough to go to church. To be a Christian, actually, and I always say this to them, you've got to recognise that um, you're faulted. You do things wrong. That's the whole point. And you're in need of God's love. That's the whole point of being a Christian. It's not that we're good. It's that we recognise that we're not entirely good. In fact, some of us have been quite bad over the years. (laughs) And in a way, I had this misconception. I was brought up in a Christian home. It was a, a Baptist church, and then it was a free evangelical. And the people there, well, they They were good. You know, but actually, read good, read holier than thou. And the minister used to, they used to come out of the, the, the room, the, the sort of, uh, we've got a room back there, and they sort of floated three inches off the ground with the, like this, with their zip up Bibles. And oh, they're all terribly polite to each other. And they were good. 
And I remember when I was particularly bad, and I'd done something really bad, and I went there and I thought, I'm not going to ever come back here again. I just don't fit in. Absolutely misconception. That is a massive misconception. We, and we, as Christians, we must never be holier than thou. Church attendance does not necessarily in itself make you a Christian. However, where better place can you hear about the good news of Jesus Christ? When Laura and I first became Christians, we went to church twice on a Sunday, once in the morning. Uh, we soon got involved in children's work and then we went in the evening. And we lived in the same house in a separate flat to Laura's dad. And I remember one evening as we were going to church, he said, Off to church again? You'll surely get to heaven with that attendance. <laughs> of course, he was being very naughty. Very naughty indeed. Of course, you don't, go, you don't go to heaven because you turn up to church. And it's not about how many times you go to church. Not at all. Coming from a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. It's a great start. You hear all those Bible stories. You... You mix with people who are, who are Christians. It's a good start in the life. But you have to make your own decision. You can't just somehow imbibe it. Uh, you have to make that decision. Living in a Christian country doesn't make you a Christian. Now, when I was young, and I, I visited hospital quite a few times, I'm a bit accident prone. Uh, one of the questions they asked you was, what is your religion? Uh, and in the 1960s, um, the usual response was, Church of England. Because actually that was safe, wasn't it? The church, you could say Church of England. Um, I suppose if you were a, a Roman Catholic or a Baptist or something else, you'd probably put that. I used to go to Baptist church, but I still say Church of England. Interestingly, at the last census in 2021, many people regarded themselves as Christians. So this is the stats. 46.3% um, of people regarded themselves as Christian. 43.3%. That's 27.5 million people. I mean, the next, near, the next closest to that is no religion, which was 36%, and then Islam at 67 I'm not going to go through all of them. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? That actually, 27.5 million people identified in some way be a Christian. But of course, you might identify, but does that make you a Christian? I think it's quite encouraging in some ways that there is that level in this country of people who would regard Christianity in some favourable favorable, um, way. Guess what regular church attendance is, though? No, you're all looking. 605,000. So 27.5 million people regard themselves as Christians, and each week, 605,000 people rock up to church. There's a bit of a... something going not quite right there. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it, though? What a mission field. Little, little, just little, put that with you. So, what does make a Christian? Well, if you turn to your Bibles, the first clue can be found in verse 20 in our reading. It says this, But among them were some men from Cyprus and Cyrene. On coming to Antioch, Antioch spoke, of the, spoke to the Hellenists, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord. So a group of Christians, followers of Jesus, they weren't called Christians then. They were probably called Nazarenes or a follower of the way. Um, there was various names for people who followed Jesus. And they'd been scattered because of the um, persecution under the Roman Empire. And they came to Antioch. And they spoke to the Hellenists. Hellenists, were, they, they were Greek. They were Greek-speaking. They were Greeks. Um, they proclaimed Jesus. And what proclaimed me, the word they used in Greek, uh, meant announced. So they announced 
they announced that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. Now, you've got to remember, these people were Gentiles. Antioch, actually, at the time, was the third most important city after Rome and Alexandria. And in Antioch, the deity they worshipped was Daphne, who was associated with water and wells. And there was a major temple in Antioch. So these people brought the message of Jesus to these people whose natural tendency was to worship Daphne, uh, worship different kind of gods. So this is quite, this is a huge thing. This is massive. And it's the first time that uh, Jesus' word, uh, Jesus being the son of God, uh, was taken to the Gentiles. That's us, unless you have a Jewish background. So this is the first time. Jesus, of course, spoke to Gentiles. Jesus took his message to Gentiles. But this is the first time the church itself took, took it to Gentile people. So the first part of being a Christian, so they listened to this message and they became, as it says later, Christians. So the first part of being a Christian is listening. Okay, you've got to listen. And secondly, you've got to accept the message that he is the Son of God. That is the first stage. John 3.16 I expect quite a few of you know this, but uh, it was quoted many a time when I was a child at church. John 3.16, I think it was preached every week actually at church, more or less. Uh, It says this, For God so loved the world, he gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes is not going to perish. And he did this by taking our sin on the cross. He took all our sin, all our wrongdoing. I said earlier about the fact that we, we, we're Christians because we realise that we're faulted and that we, we, do, we do things that aren't good. But anybody who believes this promise that, that he loved the world so much and believes that he is the Son of God uh, actually has the promise. They will receive eternal life. If you made, you made that step, you will receive eternal life. That's good, isn't it? I mean, that's the whole point. And sometimes when life's difficult, we just have to remember that. <laughs> We really do have to remember that. There is eternal life beyond this life. I often hear people say, uh, I'm going to stuff everything I can into this life because there's nothing else. Actually, as Christians, we have that hope. So we go, next go to verse 21. The verse goes on to say, they turn to the Lord. So to turn to something means you've got to turn away from something else. So this is recognising that we've done the things which are wrong, which I've just said, and we need to turn away from these things and ask forgiveness. And during his ministry, Jesus often uh, forgave sins. Do you remember the guy they lowered through the roof? That, that uh, was uh, uh, severely disabled, I think that's the best way to describe, paralytic they called him. And the first thing he did, he said, your sins are forgiven. And of course everybody's outraged, nobody can forgive sins apart from God. But Jesus was a God, of course he is God. And uh, and also, in the Lord's Prayer, we'll be saying that later, I think, possibly. Uh, we'll be saying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we, we, it says there we're going to have our sins forgiven. And John 1, 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. And this is another promise. That's great, isn't it? Our sins are forgiven. And sometimes we carry that guilt with us, don't we? I do. I carry guilt. I do wrong things. I carry the guilt. But actually, we don't need to. And we kind of, we change, this stuff changes us, doesn't it? Uh, yesterday we weren't, Laura and I were at the beach. Um, you, you'll be hard to know, it was sea mist all day. <laughs> but we did get in and I was trying to belly board um, after 20 years, which was, I wasn't very good. I got a lot of seawater in my mouth. I was doing it with some, and there's this young guy with me. And a young guy, probably 30s, 
uh, beard, really nice guy, and we got chatting. It's funny, the son, I thought, yeah, I wonder. And he said, oh, I said, oh, I worked in Cardiff. And he said, oh, did you? I said, yeah, I helped set up the Beacon Centre with a, a Pentecostal minister. He said, oh, you're Christian? I said, yeah. I said, I said, he said, oh, I am too. I, I'm a pastor in a vineyard church. I said, oh, I'm a minister in the Anglican church. There's something about that. There was something about that, that something between us, this Holy Spirit, that somehow we were different. We were, just not, we were a couple of guys on the beach. I was trying to drown, but he was quite good at it. Um, and that's something about being changed, transformed. God had transformed each one of us. So when we got into conversation, we were looking for clues. I was looking for clues from him. He was looking for clues from him. We had a lovely chat. And as I said, he was better than me. You can't have everything in the world, can you? So... Continue our passage. The, the word go back to the church in Jerusalem. That's what it says. Many Greek people had become followers of Jesus. They were very excited but recognised they needed support. So they sent Barnabas. And Barnabas was the great encourager. And when he came and he saw the grace of God, 23, he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. So they sent a man along to uh, the church knew that there's, there's all these new Christians. What do you do with them? There's no good just letting them sort of find their own way. They send someone along. And there's something beyond just belief here. So it's one thing to believe. So you've, you've said the promise. You believe Jesus is the Christ. Um, you understand that you're going to get eternal life. But there's a bit more to that. There's, there's a bit of learning here. So there's early disciples. who. Uh, this is more about devotion. There's a devotion here. The early disciples were absolutely devoted to Jesus. In fact, many of them died for their belief in Jesus. That was their devotion. It also said that Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit. So when we become Christians, we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's God's Spirit which actually enables us to change. And I think this is where, when I was a child or when I was a young person, I was always told to be good. And if I was bad, I got smacked. I mean, that's what happened in those days. I remember my father once saying to me, call yourself a Christian. Do you know that was the worst thing you could ever say to me? The worst thing. And, I, and, and that's because I think I understood that that old thing about being good, that's the Christian thing. It's not. It's being transformed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforms us. So, whilst Barnabas could encourage he realised he wasn't quite up to the teaching job. (laughs) So what he did, he sent for Paul. And then Paul then started to teach these followers about Jesus. He knew Jesus. He'd encountered him on the road to Damascus. So there's something here. It's not just making that step. Yes, you can make the step. You are a Christian. But actually, you then need to become that disciple. So as I was writing this sermon, I happened to be reading our local parish magazine, which comes through our door. Um, and we're in now in the Bath and Wells Diocese. I know. There are other dioceses apart from Bristol. And there's a really good article, and this goes to the whole village uh, where we live, uh, from the Bishop of Bath and Wells. And it's head, headed, Follow the Master. And in it, he encourages readers to learn from Jesus the Master. And he enlightens us to being apprentices. I really like that. That apprenticeship. And he said, well, he, his, his earthly father was, was a carpenter. And carpenters go through apprenticeships. George Pugh Jones is an apprentice. He's a, a, speaking to dad earlier. And he's learning how to be apprentices, how to, make lor- how to mend lorries. Great big Scania trucks. <laughs> I can really see him in his element doing that. But 
George will be learning, learning from, from the masters. The masters, the guys who really know how to do it. The guys, the guys who really know how to fix trucks. And that's what the, the bishop was saying. And I really like that analogy that we, in fact, our apprenticeship is probably lifetime. You can never know enough. And, and each time we think we've got somewhere, God will reveal more to us. And there's one more aspect to becoming a Christian. That's being baptised. Jesus instructed his disciples uh, in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. He says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We know this as the Great Commission. Baptism is a sign of our new life in Christ. But it's also a recognition we've become part of a new family and a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. That's us. When you're baptised, whether you're baptised in a, a different kind of church or Anglican church, Catholic church, Baptist church, free church, whatever their practices are, when you're baptised, uh, you're then part of that great commission and you're part of that family. I, I, the bit of the baptism service I really love in our own church is this. Uh, we say, or the vicar says, or I say, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And the person, by one spirit, we're all baptised into one body. And then we all say, we welcome you into the fellowship of faith. We are children of the same Heavenly Father. We welcome you. We all clap. <laughs> it's great. I love that. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? You're, you're part of the family. And I think for me that's really important. So perhaps you can think about your baptism then if you haven't been baptised. Um, I remember Ocean being baptised. Yeah. <laughs> and when Ocean got out of the water, he <laughs> yeah. was like, stand up, Ocean. <laughs> That's, <what I> was. <laughs> That's exactly what he was like when he was, when he was baptised. Isn't that marvellous? So encouraging, so encouraging, isn't it? Um, and, and, the, and then finally in our passage, uh, verse 26, um, so it was for an entire year they met, that's Paul and Barnabas, met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was at Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. So that meeting regularly, that's the next, you don't have to come to church, but actually it's great to come to church. Because if you come to church, you're more like a coal that's in the fire. If you're not going to church, you don't get that fellowship, you don't get that teaching. It's really important. We come to church. Or whatever church is. I mean, sometimes it's small groups. The guy I was with, uh, well, I was trying to drown myself and <laughs> it, it, on, the, on the beach. Uh, he runs, they, they run sort of cell churches. They're, small, they're smaller gatherings than this. Um, uh, but being in fellowship is so important. So, just going to finish with Romans 10 verse 9. It says this. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the essence of everything. Uh, from that, you get the sinner's prayer. Has anybody anybody's been to Billy Graham and went, gone forward like me? You say the sinner's prayer. Um, I, think this, I think I like the Romans. I think that's straight from the Bible. The sinner's prayer is fine. Um, you make a commitment that day. Um, so, Romans, Romans 10, verse 9. So, lots of us here would have made those steps. Some of you may have not made those steps yet. Um, so, I'd encourage you to uh, go on an Alpha. Uh, I think there's one in the new year, hopefully. Um, uh, talk to me, Ian, Gabby, Helen, 
anybody who's got a faith, talk to us. What's, you know, what step do I need to make? Um, if you have been a Christian a long time and you feel a bit weary, um, who feels weary at times? Go on, be honest. We all feel weary at times, don't we? We, we sometimes, it's not doubt, but sometimes think, oh, you know, I sometimes ask, well, do I believe this stuff? And I, I, I think about it. Yes, of course I do. <laughs> I've got to really, haven't I? Um, but, but actually, we go through, those, we go through those times when, you know, God feels far away and I don't know. And I just, if, if you're in that place, I'd encourage you to think about that step you made. And, and it might not be like me, which, you know, I went forward to Billy Graham and, the, you know, it was amazing and then, uh, my sins were forgiven and it was that road to Damascus. For, uh, it could have been that gentle, um, gradually, be, gradually understanding that Jesus died for you, like, and lots of people uh, are, are become Christians in so many different ways. I know somebody who was driving and there was a light and she became a Christian. Amazing. A bit like St. Paul. Uh, she suddenly became a Christian. Uh, she understood that this was Jesus meeting her. Very rare. Most of us kind of gently find our way. Some of us have been very naughty. Might have to have the Damascus road. But just remember those times. I remember that time. And as I said, if you haven't made that step of faith, come and talk to us. And we would love to talk to you about it. love to pray with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that your son came to this earth, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Lord, thank you that he gave everything so that we could have eternal life. And Lord, help us to live the life of the Holy Spirit. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, transform us. In Jesus' name. Amen.